up, buddy? Hey, how are you? Welcome to the podcast. Are you still alive? I am definitely, most definitely alive today. <laughs> it's, uh, I got my wisdom teeth out. I'm ready to go. You got your wisdom teeth out also. Okay, so we are we are officially rolling. We don't have to quite start it yet, but Matt Shirley, welcome to episode two of the Immortal Fandom Podcast. Uh, uh, first off, just a quick thank you to everybody out there that listened to the first one and gave such nice feedback. And before I even start, a very big shout out to my friend Emily Sano, uh, my former coworker at the place I was laid off from that actually enabled me to have the time to actually do all of these podcasts, who designed this wonderful logo that everybody's seeing for the uh, the podcast. So uh, we're going to get ready for episode two. Uh, and this guy, my, my guest today is, you know, one of the first people I did think of to have on this podcast uh, when I thought up of the idea. Um, I was... Uh, I was a little unsure. I mean, I think I might have to bring him back for a second podcast when I do the Washington Redskins, but today we're going to do the Washington Nationals with my good friend, uh, Matthew Shirley. Matt, we want to say hi to all the folks out there and all the ships and sea. Hi. Hi, SOS. Hey, everybody. So, Matt, I, uh, Shirley, I think you, uh, this is, a, this is a, a, a milestone because you were actually, if I'm thinking back over our relationship, you were the first person I actually met when I moved to Boston all those, um, like, 10 years ago now. I don't get nearly enough credit for no, this. No, no, you should. I, you were the, but you were the first person that I, I, I met in Boston um, all that, that decade ago when we were looking at the apartment uh, at University Avenue in Brookline, which we ended up living to for living in for two wonderful, amazing years. That was it was a marvel, and it was between you and another guy. Uh, the other guy, uh, fun fact: yeah. the other guy was a grad student in my class too, who actually does listening to this podcast. His name was Bart Brooks, and um, yeah, I remember because you t- you told me that eventually there was a it was a nice little story about it, it was either me or this other guy, I mean, uh, and I ended up being in the same class as him with Emerson. We literally, we chose you. Oh, it stinks to have to choose between two people, but we chose you because the other guy talked about how much he was looking forward to studying, <laughs> and you talked about how much you loved sports. Yes. Yeah, and, and that's and that's a good place to start because, you know, thinking back at the first time I actually, you know, lived with you all those years ago, we had a, we had a great household for loving sports because we had four people from four different areas, you know, me uh, from New England originally, and a big Red Sox fan. Uh, my friend Eli Feldman, who I'm hoping to have on sometime to talk about the uh, the Golden State Warriors, but he was from the Bay Area, so he was a big San Francisco Giants fan. Uh, Chris Flack, who was from uh, Pennsylvania and a big Philadelphia Phillies fan, and then of course you know you uh, from the originally from the uh, the D.C. Chesapeake Bay Area, originally from Alexandria, Virginia. And had grown up, uh, well, that's a good place to start. What did you grow up as? I mean, because when you were growing up, uh, you know, in the time when you would be a, a, the sports would start imprinting on you, what did you grow up as? You Were, were you an Orioles fan? Were you just a fan of baseball in general? What was the, the process leading up to you becoming eventually a Nationals fan? Well, when I, growing up, uh, first of all, my old man's from Syracuse. So okay. he grew up a Yankee fan and grew up a, Jets fan. He came of the age Poor of, guy. you know, of yeah, of Mickey Mantle and Joe Namath, not <laughs> Chad Pennington and uh, who 
Armando Galarraga, did he make it out there to the pinstripes? I can't. I don't remember. think Armando Galarraga was in the pinstripes. I think that was. I think you might be thinking of Armando Benitez, who might have played for the Yankees. Armando Benitez, yeah. But and, of and all the Tino pitchers you could have brought people. up to as an example, Armando Benitez, the guy who plunked Tino Martinez and started that beanball war back in the nineties. That, that's what I was thinking of. <laughs> I was thinking of Yankees first base, and I was thinking of Tino Martinez. Tino Martinez, yeah. And that that particular series holds a big lore personally. Just because I grew up in, in the D.C. area. My family, my dad was a Yankee fan. My mom only cared about Arizona and Colorado sports because that's where she was from, but she didn't really care about any of it. And then my siblings were all just yes-men who just went with whatever dad did. So right. I did the opposite. So dad wanted the O's to win that series, and I wanted the Yankees because I, they, I mean, I mean, they were the Yankees, and I hadn't. I'd heard about all this Yankee winning, and yet I hadn't seen any of it in my lifetime. I knew them more so, I guess, almost as a punchline. And my first cognizance of baseball itself was really '96, at 10 years old, watching this huge, huge series where the almost local Baltimore Orioles were taking on the New York Yankees. And to that time, the O's. Had Probably the O's had had more success. In, yeah, that was in the time. It was the since, Ripken. What seventy seven? It was the Ripken. What? It was the sort of the tail end of the Ripken era. I mean, 90, it would have been easy to be an Orioles fan in ninety six in in oh, the DC yeah. area because you know there was a lack of a baseball team. I think the original uh, the Senators left in what the the seventies seventy four seventy five something like that. So yeah, when was, they became the Twins. Yeah, there was this vacuum of, of of support, and I would imagine that that must have shifted naturally to the Orioles being so close nearby. So, uh, but it, it does seem like a market that deserved its own baseball team and uh you know it, the, when the nationals came back in 05 did, did you notice a lot of uh did you know a lot of dc people that just automatically switched allegiances or were dc i know dc is a kind of a strange city because you know people come from all over it's a little bit like boston in that effect there's so many people from other cities that are have their own allegiances did they did you notice a lot of people just dropping all of that and picking up the nationals fandom how did it sort of how did that that fan base sort of grow well, uh, the first thing to know about D.C. is D.C. always seemed like a kind of place that should have a team, and the first incarnation of the Senators deserved to be there just like any other you know, American League city deserved to be wherever it was. You know, There was a big, homegrown local fan base, and it was diverse, and it was, it was big and colorful, and uh, Clark Griffith was the, the mogul of D.C. for sports then, and... They created an environment, and they had Walter Johnson, too, the greatest pitcher of all time, so that helps. And so once you take that, that team, of course, moves in the area in which teams are trying to find new gold elsewhere in the country. And then the second incarnation of the centers, which was just kind of ho-hum, it was there. Ted Williams was the manager of those those second uh, senators, though. Ted Williams... To, and you know why he did it was because they they shortened the, there was there was some kind of pension thing that Major League Baseball did. This is in the early era of like of big labor and baseball, but they changed a, a pension rule so all these old timers had to come out of retirement. Joe DiMaggio was briefly briefly a hitting coach in Oakland. And uh, he did. He did not look happy in any of the photos I've ever seen. Did he, did, he's never looked, he never looked happy in a single photo, Joe DiMaggio. 
I, you know, there was one with Marilyn Monroe, but that is an understandable smile. Yeah. But yeah, so that second that that team is famous for uh, Hondo, for Frank Howard, mm-hmm. and for Ted Williams, and that's it. And uh, and there is a Hondo statue actually at um, Nats Park, but it looks like the T one thousand after <laughs> the Terminator shoots Hondo them. Hondo is like a kind of Hondo is of course yeah. Frank Howard. It was a big big slugger in the seventies, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So, so, so the senator, the senators leave in the seventies, and then you know there's that vacuum for twenty years, and then the the nationals come back in '05, and you know, I think it seems at least from an outsider, I've been to a few nationals games with you, and you know I've watched it from afar. It seems like there's a there's a real big base of support for the nationals in the DC sports scene now, um, you know, which is. The D.C. sports scene is, I mean, we could probably go for half a dozen podcasts on, on the the last 10 years of the D.C., the big four in D.C. It's been an eventful decade, to say the least, between what's happened with the Redskins and the, and the Capitals especially, and, you know, even the Wizards having this great, the great last year. But uh, what's your perception? How do you, how do the, the Nationals fit into the current D.C. sports scene? I, it's you know, they moved here from Canada, which is everyone in D.C. moved here from somewhere. So yeah. they got, they're, they're off to a good start. D.C. now is a more transient, more, I mean this as culturally as possible, a more vanilla city than it's ever been. <laughs> it's, it's the influx of corporate dollars and corporate influence in D.C. demands that people become fans of something really quickly and then they drop it when they don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. So I, I'll tell you, I was at those Nats seasons. I actually, I, I was an intern for about a season and a half with the Nats. Those are the, the, the terrible, it. the terrible nationals teams that lost those they, hundred games. Oh yeah. Let me tell you, they were terrible, but what a time to have the top draft. Pick. You know, but, um, I was thinking of that. And as I was going over here and I, I want to go through a little bit of the history in a bit, but I was thinking the comparison between those Nationals teams losing those hundred games, uh, you know, year after year, and yeah. them constantly them getting those two first round picks of the, I would say probably the two most hyped prospects, or you know, prep, or, uh, uh, you know, Strasburg was a collegiate pitcher and uh, Harper was a was a high school outfielder, but you know, probably the two most based hype baseball prospects in what a decade but the comparison of them losing those and you know having that luck to have that is i was sick of the two comparisons are you know the sixers the the current philadelphia 76ers they just mm-hmm. haven't had the luck to get those absolute gems like they have but the the process mm-hmm. the sam hinky process it's a slight comparison but it doesn't work but i think the better one might be the edmonton oilers you know just just constantly having this luck or this this you know absolute shittiness and ending up with Connor McDavid and Taylor Hall and all these really high first number one overall picks that have built a team that's you know up and coming but yeah you guys really did have some tremendous tremendously bad teams but tremendously good luck to to suck that much in those two gem like years I assume that you're referring to hockey in your prior reference. Yes, there. yes. But um, no, I uh, not a hockey. I'm a hometown hockey guy, but I'm not. I really won't have you on for the Capitals but, podcast. Yeah, you do, you're just going to have to have on. There are tons of people who can talk about it. Yeah, uh, but um, but concerning the Nats, I I can't think of anything. I know that those years it was necessary for the Nationals to be abysmal, and they got Mike Rizzo, who was the head of 
scouting. I believe that was his title was head. It was the head of scouting of player development and scouting for Arizona Diamondbacks, and he came out to the Nets around. I want to say in two thousand and seven or eight. They needed to shore it up because Jim Bowden was the Dan Duquette's replacement from Mo- uh, Montreal as GM of the team, and Jim Bowden seems to have a terrific career in radio, and frankly, that's the, the career he should have in perpetuity. Because yes. uh, as a GM, I mean, they got some, they got some terrific draft picks, including Ryan Zimmerman. And uh, in 2005, the first year the Nats were in town, he was their very first draft pick, the Nationals draft pick. And, but th- these efforts of trying to make this, trying to put together a team with these cast-offs who had, who were talented but had not great careers, it, the early incarnation Nationals just stunk. Yeah, and, and I'm... The, I'm uh... the, I was yeah. looking. I was. I was taking a quick look. Just you know, I only like to go back a couple of years for this, just to take a quick look at the history of the franchise uh, when I'm going to do these. But since they only moved to DC in 2005, which has only been uh, what 12 years now, I just took a, a sure. quick look back at this franchise. And you know, 05 they moved to DC, um, and then from 05 to 2009 they were consistently the worst team in the league. I saw they lost 100 games twice. You know, back to back years in 08 and 09. Yeah. Oh, they were bad. I, 2009 was the season where uh, I was I was present for 82 games uh, at home, and, and it's not like they didn't have exciting players on the team. I I recall that you know Alfonso Soriano, you know he had that that 40 40 year in 2006, and they had a they had some you know Adam Dunn was just this gigantic lunk that hit balls 500 feet and did nothing, but they they weren't boring. They weren't you know. Uh, Awful. I, I just recall they had terrible pitching, and they just had a, they just had one or two exciting players, but they weren't, you know, putrid. I don't think they just seemed to just be a little bit uh, just bad. Yeah, they were uh, in terms of ability, they were replacement level, but in terms of personality, I'd say that they were a couple of wins above replacement. Yeah, those early teams, like <laughs> I mean, you That's know, when I was it. in. In 2009, Nick Johnson was first baseman. Nick Johnson, the ugliest man in the history, one of the ugliest men in the history of baseball. But man, he could draw walks like nobody's business. <laughs> well, I think I can't believe he never played for the. I, I don't think he ever played for the A's, but uh, he seemed like he was the perfect Oakland Athletic player. Exactly, like he he has like Moneyball written all over. He right. has a, he has a, there's a chapter in an unwritten Michael Lewis book about him. But uh, he he was one of those guys, and then. You know, you had uh, Christian Guzman was shortstop, who briefly had a record going yeah. in 2009 because his batting average was higher than his on-base percentage <laughs> because it took him like you can't walk off the I, I, games to what's, draw walks. What's what's the old expression? You can't walk off the island. That's uh, that would that certainly did respond. <laughs> that certainly did correspond <laughs> yeah. to Christian Guzman. Yeah, just the, yeah, the prototypical prototypical uh, you know leadoff hitter for that. So. Um, yeah, let's, I'm just going to go quick over the last, the recent history, then we'll get to some of the categories. But um, so I, I think the the real everything promising really started in 2010. It's a game that I mean, one of the games I remember watching so clearly because I've never seen a, a pitcher out of the gate like this. Maybe Kerry Wood back when he threw that 20 strikeout game uh, against sure. the Astros, but Strasburg in his debut came in 2010 when he struck out what 14 guys and just the most beautiful curveball I've ever seen in my entire life. 
Um, yeah. You know, 2011, uh, Jason Worth signs one of the, I think the one of the first, well, not the first big free agent, but one of the the sort of the one of the building blocks for the franchise. And you know, that's the year that Anthony Rendon, a current player, is drafted. That's uh, 2011. Um, I believe 2012, they had 98 wins. So from 05 to 2012, a seven-year process, probably just building up after 2010, you, you could see it coming. And then when they made the playoffs in 2012, it seemed like it was just the culmination of all this talent and a couple of pretty nice free agency moves that started really started the Nationals in their current, uh, their current uh, state of being a, a real contender for the World Series. Absolutely. I mean... Perpetual contender. Let's just put that out there. <laughs> this is this is now you know every third year for the last or every I, other I saw year that for every, the last it, it's they're, they're following Six sort years. of the San Francisco Giants model just without the World Series titles. But 2010, uh, they well, that's when Strasburg debuted. But 2012, 98 wins. 2014, yep. 96 wins. 2016, I think they had the best record in baseball last year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, <laughs> So, it might have been the Cubs. I yeah, you're right. It was the, the Cubs, obviously. But it. but the two, last year they they win the um, they win the East and they go to the playoffs. But just mm-hmm. you know, no success whatsoever in the in the in the in the playoffs at at all. And I'm just thinking right now. The first thing that springs to my mind. This will be the last thing I bring up because we'll talk about the current state of the Nationals right now. But the first thing that springs to my mind when I think of the current Nationals is just the the worst, shittiest bullpen in the entire game. Absolutely, and look at how well they're doing. I know it's it's astonishing. It makes you yeah. think that they would be they could have the same record as the Astros, who uh, I think sit at sixty wins right now, if they just had a competent, you know, one good bullpen arm. But what's remarkable, though, is we knew this going into the season, and yep. Mark Melancone, who we, whom we traded for, former Red Sox, who was too. terrific, and uh, yeah, and um, and we could have we could have given him the money that San Francisco gave him. We could have kept him around, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Oh, but any any reliever there, the market had relievers either by trade or by signing. And we knew this going in, and we didn't do anything about it. And it was alleged that there were all these internal maneuvers that we were going to be able to make, and there were people who were sitting and waiting, and uh, they must still be waiting because it's still ugly. It's still ugly looking at the team right now. Uh, yeah, well, okay, so uh, before, I'm going to get to the categories. We want to go over some of the, the sort of the history of the franchise as you know it. But there was one thing I did want to mention um, just before we got to different categories. And that's something I noticed when, even when I'm walking around here in Boston, but the Nationals hat and the Nationals logo, it seems to be a, a really, a logo and a hat and a piece of, mer- and a piece of merchandise that travels very well. I see, I see it all the time up here and even in New York City and all these other places I go to. It, it seems like either there's a lot of Nationals fans that just, that's just travel from DC out elsewhere, or it's a nice little logo that people actually kind of like to wear have you noticed that when you've gone to other cities yeah i mean and i'll say something there was one time i was in uh where was, i was in nashville and i saw someone wearing a nats hat and i'm like <laughs> yo dc and he's like what are you talking about and I'm like I, I i don't okay all right and so, yeah, it's, but look, think about the logos. Think about how crazy logos have gone. And the, it's, it's very romance, old school. It's it's, it, it seems yeah. like a throwback type of logo. It's very simple. It's just that kind of that, you know, 
uh, what would you call it? Maybe not even not an old English, but just this sort of a stylized W. It, it seems to mm-hmm. just be a very classic, stable type of logo. I kind of wish that people would, you know, do that instead of getting uh, I don't know, so all all fancy in these new newfangled logos. Absolutely. I know I sound like you sound like an, an old man yells at cloud right now, but it's just <laughs> I think it, it, there is something to be said about this just classic, simple type of logo that they developed. Yeah, yeah, it's and it, it's desirable. And also, the hat's either it's two tone. It's either red, like right. a, a bright, you know, can, like candy red, and a white low, or it's that, or it's that deep navy. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's simple. It's cute. You toss it on, people get it. It it travels better than well, certainly better than Washington football team. The travel <laughs> it, it's a better. I can't imagine why. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm trying to think about the different things. Oh, the headdress. Yeah, that's right. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, it's it's just it's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty. And you know what? There are a lot of Nats fans. But think about think about what winning teams mean. You know, I, there's true. a preponderance of Cubs regalia down here in D.C. Now, I never saw any of this stuff, especially during the <laughs> lots, last lots of Golden decade. State. Yeah, lots of Golden State Warriors stuff. I, I never saw anybody wear a Golden State Warriors thing up here before. Two, before like four years ago. Never, yep. never. You never saw a bear on anyone's shirt. You saw a, a, saw a lot of bears uh, on of shirts up here in Boston. Lakes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have plenty of bears up there. Uh, um, it's grizzly. All right, so let's move on to the category. Uh, well, actually, I should touch one, one more, one more little tangent. But also, I have to give the the stadium. I love Nationals Park. I, I've been there with you what, four or five times yeah. now? But it is a beautiful yeah. stadium. And also one of the better views, you, if you can just look out there and see the Capitol, it's a great place to go to, really comfortable seats. I mean, and well, then again, going to Fenway, anything that's not Fenway is comfortable. But just a really kind of a nice, chill place to see a game. You know, pretty good food, excellent beer selection. It's just a really chill place, and it's it, it's in kind of an up-and-coming area, if I don't if I remember correctly. Well, yeah, I mean, the whole, the, all, that's all of the city. I'm actually, to, to spill the beans, I'm looking for a condo right now in D.C. All, all of D.C. is perpetually up and coming, <laughs> which makes it difficult. I was looking into buying a place that was, you know, maybe a, a brief jaunt. Uh, D.C. is shaped like a diamond, of course, mm-hmm. and uh, or like a like Superman's badge a little bit. And, uh, which, down yeah, at the but which, very, which Superman? Uh, uh, the good one, Christopher Reeve. Oh, uh, okay. So it's not uh, it's not that it's not Brandon Ruth. <laughs> no, that was, that was okay. People <laughs> crap all over that movie. That we, was a we good should, movie. We should just do a Superman podcast at some other some other time. Uh, it would call <laughs> be called the Zack Snyder is the worst human being alive podcast. <laughs> yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah so yeah, so, so it's in a pretty it's in a pretty nice little area. I, I loved walking around there when I when I did go yeah, there. It's. Solid, and the thing is, I will tell you though that the view is diminishing quickly. Booz Allen Hamilton, the famous once employer of Edward Snowden, oh. as well as my cousin, uh, they have built up a huge building there that obscures the skyline. The view of the Capitol is quickly diminishing. Mm-hmm. It'll be gone in five years. That, oh. that view is going to be. It'll be gone. Well, on that but, ha- um, well, on that happy note, let's just let's let's delve yeah. right into the different categories now. Just a reminder how this works. I have we have uh, one, two, three, four, five different categories uh, that I wanted to ask you about as a, a fan of this franchise, and I wrote down my guesses as to what your answer would be for these different these five different categories. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I want to see if these match up with what you're going to say. Um, and just to be clear, uh, this is just going in the history of how you're a fan of the franchise. Just okay. You don't have to go all the way back to the Expos years. or Well, it's, you only have 12 years worth of, worth of history, really, with the Nationals. So you don't have to answer Dennis Martinez or... Rusty Staub or any of the other Expos, just because you probably weren't an Expos fan before they became the Washington Nationals. So um, yeah, no, I, I was I was anti-Canadian back then anyway. So well, I mean, I who wasn't? Um, yeah. So first category, uh, and probably the easiest, the best player uh, that you've seen in your time as a Nationals fan. Um, I think this is a pretty easy, you know, putt to make, but it's got to be Bryce Harper, right? I'm going to say this right now, is that Bryce is the best hitter that I've seen out of the Nats. Mm -hmm. Uh, Easily. If you take people who've put on Nats caps and gone out and played on that field, there is no one at any time that you've wanted to be at the dish more than you wanted Bryce Harper to be at the dish. Also a a complete crazy individual. But oh, yeah, but you know what? You, you grow up in Vegas. I think the only one who came out of that system alive was Jimmy Kimmel. After that, well, no, that's not true because Chris Bryant and 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 uh, and uh, Harper were from were like on the same little league team. Really? Yeah, Chris, Bry- uh, okay, Chris Bryant's from that. Vegas too. Crazy. Yeah, well, it really is the lottery out there. Yeah, that's true. Um, All right. So, your is your answer for this question? Uh, the uh, former National League MVP, a former Rookie of the Year. And no. uh, perennial uh, crazy person Bryce Harper. Uh, it, the 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 guy who has done better things wearing a Nats uniform than oh, anyone in the history of franchise Harper. is Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer. Okay, I you could make okay make your case for this. I know Scherzer has has the Cy Young. I know he's done some crazy incredible things. Um, and you know, well, I think you can convince me, but please make your get make your case for for Scherzer. Well, because first of all, it's not if you're asking me about who on the field. If you're taking the, I'm not trying to like take it. Remove the context of he's our player. We drafted him. He's young. He's going to be so good for another ten or twelve or maybe fifteen years. Who knows? Thirty. It could be twenty years. He's so young and he's so good. But if you ta- if you look at what has been done inside of that uniform, inside of these games, that there is Max Scherzer is is unbelievable as a pitcher, as a as a leader, as a strikeout king, mm-hmm. as just a just a guy who goes out there and kind of and you know ass- when after he signed from Detroit back in what 2014 or 15 or 15 mm-hmm. you know it wasn't it was a obviously a huge deal and and you know i think it was 200 something million but yeah I mean, like 232 what, i think what, the, what david price i think got less than or got more than that um the year a, a year i think after uh and you know Scherzer was ha- he he'd already won that Cy Young in in Detroit in 2013 i believe so i i, I he he was out in the open market. Anybody could have conceivably signed him, and the, the Nationals got got him when they already had this ridiculously stacked rotation with Gio Gonzalez and Strasburg. I Jordan think, just Zimmerman. Back. Jordan Zimmerman. Um, Taylor Rourke. Rourke. Yeah, Tyler and, Rourke. And they didn't, it didn't seem like it seemed like it was just an embarrassment or adding on. It didn't seem like they needed it. And then he tur- he's turned into, 
you know, a guy who won the Cy Young last year uh, and the guy who probably is going to win the Cy Young again this year over yeah. Clayton Kershaw, which is, uh, you know, a, a, an upset. And, you know, he's he's become, if not, I, I, I still think personally that Kershaw is better I, 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 just in terms of the stuff he's got. But it's it's 1A and, and 1 for him and him and Kershaw for best pitchers in, in the National League, if not the entire uh, major leagues. I mean, the guy, look, man, he threw two no-hitters. 20 strikeout and, game. Yeah, yeah, he's 20 strikeout game. It wanted that he should have had a perfect game against Pittsburgh and I was bizarrely in Pittsburgh at the time <laughs> it happened to see the Rolling Stones. Uh, and shocking. Uh, and and he lost it on the last side of the game. I think I feel like it was Jameson Talion. I can't remember who it was. Well, Jameson Talion's the pitch. a pitcher. No. That, but but it's a, it's a pitcher, and it would have been the last out of a 27-minute game. It could have been James Italian. I can't remember who it was. But who leaned in and took away the – because he, he got hit in the arm. He got hit in oh, the arm. Oh, okay. So this was in his no-hitter, I think, right? It was an elimination of a no-hitter. It should have been a no-hitter. Mm. Oh, man, I can't even I'm, – I'm getting angry just thinking about oh, it. Yeah. So your answer for the best player is is Scherzer, not Harper. That's uh, that's something. It's I I would I would mean that's the fir- the first thing that came to my mind is Bryce Harper, but if you want to say Scherzer, I can I can see your logic with that, and that's something I can I can completely accept. Don't get me wrong, Bryce Harper is the best player mm-hmm. in the Nationals, and he will be the best player in Nats history right. if not if if he's not already there. But in the in the sample that we have, Max Scherzer has is 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 okay. near historic. Bryce Harper's not exactly there yet. All right, I uh, I can accept your logic. All right, so that's your best, that's the best player category, and now we have to move on to favorite player. Now this this can be the same as best player, but favorite player is just the guy that means you most to you. Uh, yeah, you, know, and you you spoiled it when we we talked briefly earlier today, and I I might. Have, I mean, but I didn't spoil it. You would have known who it was. I I think I probably would have guessed it because he, this guy is he seems to be the face of the franchise in the same way. Actually, you know, the comparisons to him and David Wright are mm-hmm. are kind of you know I think that's David Wright's a good comparison. Obviously, Wright was a better player and a better hitter at his peak, but you know Ryan Zimmerman was no slouch. He was a really good player for 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 a while, and he's having a resurgent season this year but you know ryan ryan zimmerman is is i must you've already spoiled that but that ryan zimmerman is your favorite player right no dude elijah dukes <laughs> Elijah dukes oh god that's a no, uh, talk no, about a bad no, no, human no. being Oof. no that's a joke that's that's a terrible joke yeah, yeah ryan please zimmerman, google elijah dukes everybody if you want to see just how horrible a human being could be Ryan Zimmerman was drafted in 2005. Yeah. He's the first Nats pick. Jim Bowden made He's from pick. Virginia, too, right? He's from, well, he went to UVA. He's mm-hmm. from Bob Beach. He's from Virginia Beach. I'm pretty sure on his team, you talk Actually, about Actually, that's, where, that's where David Wright is from, too. David uh, Wright yeah. and also the Upton brothers. And Verlander, I think, is from around there, too. Yeah, I know that he went to Virginia Union. He went to a Virginia, Old Dominion. I yeah. Think, Old Dominion University. I, yeah. Right. And... That, but Virginia has always been a, a solid, talented breeding ground for um, for athletes, al- al- for, for revolution, <laughs> for constitutions, whatnot. Um, uh, Allen Iverson, of course, is from Virginia Beach. Uh, it's, uh, the, uh, the Vicks. Well, mm-hmm. never mind. Forget them. But um, anyway, so Ryan Zimmerman, was, he hit three ninety seven. I'll never forget this. I didn't look this up. I remember this. In his limited sample, because he got called up, 
it's uh, the same the, the year he was drafted. He hit three ninety seven in two thousand five, and two thousand six. He was neck and neck all season with uh, Hanley Ramirez, mm. your former shortstop hot prospect. Well, who current, traded to the current, to, current, um, current, st- uh, current muscle down designated hitter. Well, and remember too was that back then everyone was saying, "Oh yeah, well the Red Sox are so loaded they'll have him anyway," and they got him eventually. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Yeah, great. Um, Not really in his prime, but whatever. Whatever. Well, you paid for him. That's I what did. you got. Yeah, we did. Um, and so, but but Hanley Ramirez of the Marlins and Ryan Zerman run neck and neck. Hanley won it, and Hanley should have won it, but Ryan put up a hell of a case. This is for rookie look, of the year, right? This is for rookie of the year in two thousand and six. Yeah. And if you look at what Ryan Zimmerman did as a third baseman, as a, as a power-hitting third baseman, you're talking about Mike Schmidt. You're talking about, well, not, I mean, not, not Brooks Robinson because Brooks not... Robinson wasn't. <laughs> Come on. I mean, I'm not saying that he was – he didn't put up the career He's that Mike Schmidt He's a very Schmidt good did, player, but, but for, let's, not, let's stop with the Mike Schmidt comparisons. No, for a number of years, look at the talent that he had as, a, as both a fielder and mm-hmm. a batter. Okay. From, like, basically, let's say 2006 to 2012. Okay. So, yeah. That's so, a so, lot of years. Six year span, he was he was a, a pretty damn good player, and he still he actually has 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 reinvigorated himself in this current campaign. But you know, again, the, the face of the franchise and even that little steroid thing from a couple of years ago hasn't diminished anything, has it? Yeah, but that was that that weird Al Jazeera documentary that they put out just after it had been reported that four thousand migrant workers had died. Uh, you know, maybe maybe there are other things to be considered there, but. Um, right. But anyway, look, as far as steroids go, I don't know who did what, but but let's blame the culture that right. allows athletes Absolutely. to do this. Okay, so, yeah. so Ryan Zimmerman's your favorite player, um, your favorite, just the, the face of the franchise, sort of the, the prototypical national. So, uh, so far, Scherzer is your best player, but well, Zimmerman's but, no, your but favorite. It's something, it's something else in that, because there's something, remember, there's something to be said, and you know this too, mm-hmm. like Ryan Zimmerman is, Washington D.C.'s Carl Yastrzemski. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, he is a guy who lived through all of the shit years, and then finally saw himself part of something awesome. That's yeah. That's that's a that's a that's a nice way to put it. I like that. That's that's nice. That makes me feel good for Ryan Zimmerman. Okay. Yeah. Well, he was it. He was the only thing to watch through, spe- through all of those terrible years. So speaking of great, uh, speaking of Zimmerman, um, he is one of the, the this is the next category. He fit, he uh, actually factors in to the what my thinking was for next category, and that was best moment. So I had a couple ones I wrote down here. This is the um, just the best moment, the best play, the best game, whatever, and that you've seen in the franchise. So. He was one of the ones I considered in that that famous walk off home run he had in two thousand and six off of. Uh, I, you know, that's ridiculous that you pulled that out. I remember Chen that. Ming oh, that Wong. was off of. Uh, was it off of Chen uh, Ming Wong? Chen Ming Wong, yeah, because Rivera had pitched so much the the day before. I think that they couldn't bring in Rivera, and he hit that. Uh, was it in the home opener uh, with the uh, for the uh, Nationals no. or something early? No, it wouldn't have been. On, a, right? It wouldn't have been an interleague home opener. It was. It was in summer. Okay. Yeah, and that was at RFK too. Remember? Yeah. And yeah. Chen, 
And Chen Ming Wong, he he didn't need to be pulled out of that game. I'm pretty no, sure. No, I think he only had were... about like eight or ninety pitches. But I, I remember watching that game yeah. very. Cl- I don't know how why or how why I was watching that. But um, so that's one of the considerations. The famous uh, two run walk off homer in the ninth off of Wong. Um, mm-hmm. um, the other ones I considered uh, the Zimmerman no hitter that was saved by that crazy diving catch by Steven Souza. Um, oh, yeah. Either one of the shirts are no hitters. Uh, Scherzer's twenty. 20 strikeout games, but um, I actually went with that Jason Work that Jason Worth walk-off home run in Game Four of the 2012 yeah. NLDS as the best Nationals moment, just because I, I've always loved Jason Worth. He just seems like a like a complete lunatic that seems like he should be hunting down boars in the, the Panhandle somewhere. <laughs> um, but that that seems like it was the best bit of playoff success. Uh, so that 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 was my pick for the best moment. What was yours? I, look, I, the the regular season moment, honestly, was that, that Ryan Zimmerman, Cheng Ming Wong. It's not, again, it's the guy that you want to be a hero, being yeah. a hero, and, the, and beating the Yankees in RFK. It was a shitty team. It was awful. I remember, I think it was a day game, which is why you would have watched right. it. I think it was a Saturday day game. Yeah, I think it I was. It was, that a that Fox, that, it was like a Fox day it game. It was a Fox, yeah. It's probably Joe Buck on the call. And um, and it was just like it was such a shit. The team sucks, mm-hmm. and to see like to get to see the Nats in a Sports Center highlight reel, yeah. at least at the time when Sports Center was worth watching, like it's the coolest. Are you telling me that you, you don't want to see Kid Rock performing on Sports Center like they have these days? I am going to forget that you <laughs> ever said that. Uh, so, but all the and all of the other moments. Like and again, this is just, this sounds like craziness, but like every moment that follows mm-hmm. comes out of the era where the Nats were really good, and it makes sense that the Nats were doing awesome things. Sure. Jordan Zimmerman, Steven Souza making that catch as the last out in Jordan Zimmerman's no hitter was crazy awesome. Yeah. And these are these, you know, and and as Jordan came up with the Nats, he was I remember the first big hype Nats. The prospect. other, the and other then, Zimmerman, yeah. Yeah, and exactly. That was the irony was that the two most high prospects for a time were both named Zimmerman, and yeah. they were both spelled differently. Yeah, and um, and then once the Nats drafted Strasburg, then you never remember that. Zimmerman. I know he he was the he was the great forgotten man, kind of the the Tom Glavin of the uh, of, yeah, of the staff, yeah. you know. But yeah, okay. So yeah. your 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 pick your pick for that that best moment was that Jeff. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, that yeah, that Jeff Zimmerman walk right, off right. back in two thousand and six. I just I think that it was the cool. I I think that at the time it was the coolest thing. But I will tell you, like like one A could be that Jason Worth walk off mm-hmm. home run, if only for the meme of when oh he when he was riding the motorcycle. It, yeah, and it's... someone put a motorcycle on his leg. <laughs> yeah, if anybody <laughs> had to like... see this, it's it's a perfect meme of just this crazy bearded wild wild man looking jason worth just he did this tremendous jump uh towards home plate after he got the walk off off of uh, uh jason Motti uh, of the cardinals back in 2012 and somebody photoshopped a motorcycle on him so it looked like he was ghost rider just flying in the home plate 
That, yeah, it was awesome. Okay. It was so good. All right, so it's that was so the good. best moment. And the yeah. very worst moment, I mean, it was pretty easy for me and it because it took place in the, in the, very, the, the, very, the very next game after that. Yeah. So, so 2012 yeah. National League Division Series, uh, Nationals have 98 wins. Uh, Davey Johnson is their manager. Um, they go to game, uh, game five against the Cardinals. I don't think that was a particularly great Cardinals team, though. I, I guess that they that was the year they beat the – the Rangers in the uh, was no, mean, no that was the one they lost to the Giants because it was a, it was an even year obviously so they lost yeah, to the Giants. Yeah, um, that's right. So yeah. not not a particularly great Cardinals team and not, certainly not one of the standout Cardinals teams. But they're up seven to five, I believe, in the ninth inning uh, with two outs, and then I think they had the base. No, it was more than that. The lead was wider than that. No, it, it was, was seven to five. Run. It ended up nine to seven. And because they were up seven to five in the ninth inning, I just I looked this up. So oh, that because it was a four run four swing. run. That's it was what a I four remember. run four run thought. four run ninth. I think some this scrub for the Cardinals who named Pete Cosma had a Pete Cosma had a had a yeah. little little uh, line drive base hit off of Drew Storen, uh, the, yeah. the Nationals. Uh, I'll put parentheses around closer. And it, it deflected off the glove in the center field. Really, a, a kind of a, a bit of bad luck because if he would put it down, he could have just at least held one run from going in. So instead, uh, two runs score and tie the game. And I think uh, one batter later, was it Colton Wong or somebody else drove in uh, two more runs and the Nationals yeah. lost in the first round in five games. Really, just <laughs> it doesn't get it doesn't get enough credit for being one of the heartbreaking uh, playoff losses of the last. Uh, since the since the turn of the century, I guess. Well, but remember, this is also about culture of winning and losing and context of how much teams are like. Mm-hmm. Like, if that shit happened to your stupid fucking Red Sox... Oh, God, no, it would be... It would be yeah, it would go down in infamy. It, if it happened in the pre-television era, there would still be footage of it somehow. <laughs> like, I'm... T- like, it, like and, and look, I enjoyed the Red Sox, especially when we lived in Boston, it was great. But seeing now the the difference in terms of like the imposure of the cloud of conver- conversation of one team versus another team, like that Nats team went down, people were like, <laughs> but I'm telling you, for people in D.C. who had, li- again, lived through the shitty years and started to finally appreciate that we had this crazy good team that was going to do something, yeah. and to see the stupid, stupid Cardinals, uh. Like these, just these, the like. I mean, not and talk the, about talk about probably the only fan base in baseball that's that's more hated than the Boston Red Sox, or or at least on the same par. It's it's the St. Louis Cardinals. Oh yeah, oh, <laughs> easily, e- e- more than the Red Sox. Forget it. Like there's, it's just, I, I mean, and it's not even. It's not because they're bad or anything like that. They just, ugh, oh, it's, it's, it sucks. Yeah. But um, but that. But seeing Drew Soren on the mound and just – I think it's the first time in history where it was like there were four consecutive last-out-of-the-game pitches that could have been thrown. Mm-hmm. If it, had they been strikes or outs if like, for four different players, then yeah. it would have ended the game. That's, that's, and, that's amazing. And, and it's not – like if you look at – uh, it, it, for people who look at fan graphs, the, the fan website, like they do the, the chart, the odds, the probability of winning the, per game. And I remember... It was the in like post, the, probably like 98%, right? 
Oh, 98. It was 90. It was like 99.5. It yeah. was ridiculous. And I remember the post over the graph was like, this is why we watch baseball. And mm-hmm. you saw the graph. And if the Nats were on the bottom and the cards were at the top of it and the innings go from left to or from, yeah, from left to right, mm-hmm. the line goes all the way down to the Nats <laughs> early on and dives. It goes down deeper than the Mariana Trench. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, the cards pull it out at the very end. Uh, that's tough. Well, so, yeah, and, and you know, I, I was looking for the worst moment, and I, I, I mean, I could have picked something out from, you know, each one of these three years where they lost in the Vision Series. They, I mean, yeah. in 14, uh, you know, a really good team, but they lose that crazy 18 inning game to the Giants that they just could not get a hit. Uh, um, just, the a, just a torturous game to a uh, I mean, I don't know how that Giants team really won that. Uh, ever ended up winning that that World Series, that fourteen team. I don't know. There's some there's some crazy stuff that happened with those Giants in those those even years. But last year, uh, Kershaw. I mean, you know, we want to talk about you want to talk about a clutch pitcher coming in, winning Game Four, and then closing out Game Five. That was insane. I you know, I mean, what can you do? That's in some ways, you know, yeah. it was bad, but it's also Clayton Kershaw who's superhuman. So. That job, oh, that, that, that that was a really it's a really good Dodgers team. I think that was probably for as bad as that loss last year was. That was probably the most understandable. The that was the most evenly matched of those teams. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Oh no, I totally and and the the, the playoff losses have gotten progressively easier to bear, both mm-hmm. because you've lived through a prior playoff loss, yeah. a and then two. You also they they've, they're they're not as heartbreaking. Okay. Like I was. I, those two playoff losses, I was there in first I was there at the Nets. I could feel the breath. I could feel that the, the, that stadium rose and fall, fell like like a large man's heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Like it, you just, it was palpable, and it was dead silent. And then you heard that, like that, you could that hear terrible, a, that terrible of the air collectively yeah. out of the stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And once you and once you hear that. That that's that that like that no loss is going to be worse than he, when you hear that. Yeah, because we all realize that we were collectively that we were watching something historic, and it wasn't a good thing. Yeah, it was, it was, it was something. It's a terrible it was, it was, chill that settles upon you is just like, oh boy, I was actually here for this. Yeah, and, and that also is, is. And look, with these are sports, we care about them. Yeah, people get glib about what the meaning of sports is, but if you care about it, it's meaningful. Mm-hmm. And it was. These are. This is. People cared. Yeah. The, the, people also didn't care, and there were people. I saw people in NASCAR who were like, "Yeah, no, whatever, man." But, but those people, those people probably <laughs> just moved here the year before to take some internship on the house. Yeah. And <laughs> screw them. Well, so, they're, they're they're probably the ones that were uh, you know setting up that meeting for Donald Trump Jr. in uh, at at the, yeah. uh, the Trump Tower in, in New York City. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I'd like to see the Cardinals' emails get released. By the way, <laughs> anytime now. Yeah, but, now, um, speaking of emails, all right. So um, those are the the bad losses, and so I guess that that was the obvious one was the the storing game in 2012. So um, this was the next the final category is the most hated figure. Who's the most hated figure like the one guy you just want to reach out one you know one person or one figure you want to reach out and strangle as a nationals fan who drives you the most crazy um i had a little trouble picking this one out i, don't, I didn't want to say storm because you know he he was he blew that game but he was a pretty good closer for you guys and you know one game is not a 
a, a career make. Um, I mm-hmm. just guessed it was Matt Williams for his, you know, his series mm-hmm. of, of fuckuppery in 2015 that w- was just, uh, you know, maddening to see that just you just wanted that guy to be put out of his misery um, between his, his screw-ups in the playoffs the year before and his, his you know, he just seemed very outclassed as a manager. And I, I just assume that's the guy that you would pick for that, that I would pick for that. That, yeah, I wouldn't really, it's hard to pick a player unless you pick, now look, Bryce Harper, if Bryce Harper is like, I'm not re-signing, I'm going away. You know, I was going to talk to you about, that's that's how I was going to finish it off, but yeah, you could see that coming, yeah. Okay, but so who, who, see, yeah, who, but, who's, your, who's your pick? This is a tough one, because again, the context, the sample size is small, the context mm-hmm. is small here. It probably is Matt Williams, but I, I almost don't hate him. I'm more offended that he always that he, seemed was, overmatched. I mean, he 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 yeah. never well, he easily, never easily. seemed he seemed like you know like remember when Mark Jackson Mark Jackson was coaching the Clippers and you yeah know, everybody I mean it was just a really good team but everybody was knew that Mark Jackson was the problem they knew that they couldn't go any further with Mark Jackson I'm sorry did I say coaching the Clippers the Warriors they knew that how good a team the Warriors had but everybody knew that yeah. they just needed you know, some guy who's actually like an effective coach and they could bring yeah. Steve Kerr in there. But he yeah. never seemed like he was a, on top of things as a, as a, as a good manager. No, I mean, Matt Williams was, and I think that's the biggest thing. I feel personally that there are like two kinds of managers, you know, there's, there's the guys who like cultivate the kids that are coming up mm-hmm. and then there are guys that are there to win. And that was the difference between say like Jim Riggleman and Davy Johnson. Mm. Uh, I like Matt Williams almost to me is a goat or like uh, not greatest of all time. I mean, an actual goat, right? Because the, the problem was the, the mentality that thought that this guy who his record of success is as a player and then as a bench coach and stuff like that, but to put him in that role, with this team that was a win now, they should have been signing some, they should have gotten someone like, well, Davey Johnson or like Dusty Baker, or, even though Dusty has not won uh, a ring yet, yet, um, like they should have been, they, they should have been right there with a, with the, this is how we're going to yeah. do it. This is what we're going to, we're going to win now. And I know how to do this because I've been here. Like it, Matt Williams, kind of receives that. I mean, you could throw this at a couple of different people. Like, I was there during, I almost jokingly mentioned Last Things Village before. Mm-hmm. The Last Things Village, like, took an opportunity to be the center fielder of a shitty team that was going to become a good one, and he wasted it. And he was a jerk, and he was prima donna and all this stuff. And there were other people who were lazy or who didn't care as much. I really hate the way that Jim Riggleman left the team I don't like the. I, I thought that Riggleman was. And I'd met him a number of times. He was always a straight shooter. He was a good guy. I didn't like the way that that all went down. But then again, he was there during the suck years. And how can you blame someone for yeah. not wanting to be around for that? Um, yeah, so it, it kind of goes to Matt Williams, but it's like. I don't know. It's not. You can't get, you can't get that angry at him. Okay. I mean. Yeah. All right. Well, so those are the different categories. I think I had a pretty good success rate on those, better than I did with the Bruins with Trevor, that's for sure. Um, so with the last... That's uh, a long history. What's that? 
that's a long history there between Trevor and the Bruins. Oh, it was it was it was as towny as it gets. But so with the last <laughs> eight minutes, let's just quickly talk. Well, let's well we have seven minutes now. With the last seven or so minutes, let's just talk about your optimism for the future as it as it stands right now. It looks like the Nationals are going to run away with the uh, National League East. It's not probably going to be even close. Um, looks like Max Scherzer is going to another, get another Cy, Cy Young um, MVP. Who knows? Maybe mm-hmm. maybe Murphy or, or, Zimmerman, or, um, or Zimmerman sneaks in there. So they're they're probably up for going to be for a lot of individual awards, and they're they're probably going to be you know, knock on wood. But there's what like a ninety percent chance they're going to be in the playoffs. So, do you see this team with, and this is this is even with a first half that was a complete, uh, you know, absolute apocalypse for their bullpen. Do yeah. you see this team having a chance mm-hmm. in the playoffs against the Dodgers, against whoever comes out of the Central? What a mess that is! Against uh, you know whatever other team makes it for the wild card from the West, who knows? Do you see this team having a real chance with this kind of absolute shithole of a bullpen in the playoffs or and going forward? Well, anything can happen because it's an odd-numbered year, right. first of all. Um, and, but I th- I remember, think, oh, I was, by the way, we have to retire that. I don't think the Giants are going to be in contention for like the next five or six years. Sorry, Emily Greenwell. But um, I don't think the Giants, we can officially retire that even-numbered year thing for the Giants, right? Well, remember, she retired Greenwell, too. She did so. retire Greenwell, yeah. Yeah, but um, but yeah, look, I, I the Giants are not going to be the ones who, who kill us. But, um, well, but... The, it, I, it, it's tough to project, man. I take Max Scherzer over anybody but Clayton Kershaw mm-hmm. as a big game starter, and I love I love our pitchers. Uh, I I definitely see Rizzo making moves just like he did last year to yeah. land us. Could they get Papelbon back? Sometime. I hate you. Uh, <laughs> keep your buck tooth shotgun toting reliever back where you found him. He's not doing the the. Dropkick Murphy's jig on our field. Anymore. God, I could have put him as an evil doer for that thing where he tried to choke the. Shit you know, out of I Harper. forgot all about him. That's the worst one. That is well, the okay, worst you're gonna one. Switch he's, from... he's God. Look, he he's turned. Worse I mean, I, I mean, I I'll, be the, I'll be the first him. person to say I love Papelbon when he was in when he was in Boston. He was he was a it was you know, awesome. he was fun and he was he was great. But he turned into this just the stereotypical dipshit conservative redneck baseball player. Or once he once yeah. he left this once he left this place. No, dude, he's the Kid Rock of, <laughs> of the, uh, like he's popular and you don't know why. Yeah, exactly. Um, he's he's, he's, he's he, like he's like John Rocker with just a tad more sense. Yeah, sure, and more more rings. I imagine. I don't think yeah, Rocker was on the No, I don't think I don't but, think Rocker um, ever got one. But so uh, you're yeah. you're cautiously optimistic. You'll think maybe maybe a couple of bullpen tweaks and and they're going to be right there. I think yeah, I think they're going to do that, but but it's not about but it's not even about bullpen, man. Because you see, there are teams that have gone in there with less than stellar bullpens. Of course, there's Kansas City Royals mm-hmm. who had a perfect bullpen, and look, they got themselves a ring right. um, with no budget. But like, you, I, I yeah, I see the Nats making moves. The problem is, is this, this there's a perpetual notion of culture. Like, why have the just to move over to hockey for a second? Why have the oh, Washington so you think Capitals, you think that the 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 culture of losing in D.C. will sink in? Uh, you know, a la Boston in the '90s or a la you know Cleveland up until a couple of years ago. You think that that's that's kind of this uh, this ooze from Ghostbusters too? That's 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 polluting everything, dude. 
I think that it is something. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, like, because because you know, if people DC DC does not get its due. Uh, I, I'm sure this has been covered on on the Simmons podcast when he talks to his friend from DC. But DC does not get its due for its tor- for the torture that that the fan base has been through since what the Redskins won in. Uh, 91 or 92 91 91 yeah yeah. the mark Mark rippon the mark rippon year but you know the capitals the capitals have just been you know uh, just get to the playoffs they've had this great these great regular season teams with just shit the bed in the playoffs for all these all those years the wizards have been you know kind of a, a a joke until the last couple of years uh i mean god where to start with the redskins and and their awful horrible owner but and the nationals just this this continued you know one and done in the playoffs so you think there's actually something there you think that there's a there's a a fog or a cloud hanging over the city huh i don't i mean i don't know what it's like what is it like if i it's almost as if it's almost as if there's something evil in washington dc you know, perhaps at the heart of everything, that's just sucking all of this the the good vibes out of the out of the the region. I would say that, but <laughs> these teams have sucked long yeah, before true. January twentieth, two thousand seventeen. Right. Maybe so, been, maybe it's been there for the entire time Mitch McConnell's been been in the in the in the Congress. Maybe he's <laughs> maybe he's the maybe he's that evil painting from Ghostbusters too. That's just the that's just you know the 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 horrible talisman for all this. Uh, sure. Well, what changed in uh, 1992 to a? Ta- I mean, Bill Clinton got elected. Maybe it's Bill. Oh, maybe it's the Clinton. Maybe it's legacy. Newt Gingrich. Yeah, maybe it's Newt Gingrich. <laughs> don't have your dad listen. Yeah. Don't have your dad listen to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know. He. I, I promise you, he won't. Um, but um, <laughs> to, to no, give some, well, give some background, my my friend Matt's uh, father here is a uh, is a a longtime political operative in D.C. and a, a very entertaining and a very nice man. And uh, uh, but uh, yeah, he's got some he's got some great stories. Uh, you're very flattering. Yeah, no, he definitely does. And he also is the one who's ingrained this notion in me that there is a culture of suck in mm-hmm. D.C. Yeah. And that it's, it's, it's draining. And people, look, why does, why does Pittsburgh win championships mm. and, capital, and the Caps win President's Cups? Yeah. Like Dan Steinberg, I hate to use the Caps as an analog because we're not talking about the Caps, but you have to do it because... There's such an important case study, mm-hmm. I think, outside of D.C. Like, Dan Steinberg is one of the best sports writers just in general. He's just terrific, He's right? Yeah, and great. he writes for the Post. He wrote this column, it was last year, when the Caps were on their way to winning, perhaps, the Caps last year were like the 2001 Seattle Mariners. Yeah, that's a good, like that's they, a good comparison, yeah. It, oh, yeah, or or Golden State, the year that they lost to uh, the team, yeah, yeah, and like the, this incredible, incredible team. And Dan Steinberg had had to. I doubt that this column was written in any of those other cities. Dan Steinberg had to write a column saying this is entertaining. And if you think that hockey is purely about whether or not you're going to hoist a cup at the end of the se- uh, of, of the season, like it's it's not. There's tons and tons of winning that you get to see, and you're seeing it right now. You're mm-hmm. seeing something historic. So don't yeah, give me this. It doesn't mean anything. That's a yeah. That's that's a it's a hard argument to make when you don't actually win anything. When you don't actually win a win anything at the end of it. Yeah, I, but no, but but it's important. It's important no, to it's recognize a, yeah, that, that there's an accomplishment there that's being celebrated, whether or not. Well, you, know, and, this, you know, this country, it's an all or nothing country. So it's yeah, you gotta. I know it's it's, it's uh, 
it's it's Damn tricky. It. So I mean, just to wrap this up because we are we're running out of time. Um, if mm-hmm. Bryce Harper does sign for you know half a billion dollars with the Yankees or I don't know Tottenham Hotspur or some other like crazy team somewhere, is that going to cap? First off, a do you think it's going to happen? And b what what happens to the scene then? What what where does everything end up? Where does the team end up? What's going to go on if Bryce Harper? Because that's the that's the looming tower of 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 baseball right sure. now is his free agency next year. Yeah, but think about also what it means. It's a, you're talking about the future of sports at large, like what he signed <laughs> well, for. Well, how on much he yeah, I mean, for. oh yeah, yeah. I could. It, it's gonna be. It's gonna be the biggest contract in, in American but sports. Think history. about. Think about Alex Rodriguez's first contract with the Rangers. Just it seems quaint now, doesn't it? It's, I know two fifty for ten years is uh, uh, what a steal. But I mean, like, uh, man, I'm old enough to remember when the first hundred mil got got doled out to. What Kevin Brown? I think it was, or, or maybe was it was Brown, or was it Mike um, who's the Rockies pitcher? Oh, Mike Hampton. Hampton? Yeah, that's that like Hampton? you just think now that oh my god, a hundred million. That seems crazy, but I mean that doesn't seem too out of the out of whack. I mean now what's I mean David Price got three hundred. It's 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 good. I mean his and Machado's contract next year uh, from that from the Orioles wherever they go is going to be just mm-hmm. just monstrous. So do you think he stays in DC? I. I I, I'm, I'm. I mean, especially with Scott Boris as a client. Do you think he stays? And you know, if he doesn't, what, what, what happens then? Uh, Boris has a great relationship with the Nets, with the Nets. Obviously, I mean, I think the Nets field more Boris agents than any other team. But that doesn't. I don't think that that's a bad thing. I just think he, he's, he's really good at what, to do what he does. Mm-hmm. But um, I, my biggest fear here is that the Nets offer the most money by far and Bryce takes less money to go somewhere else, which yeah. the players association despises. Right. But you but it's happened. It's happened before. And the thing is is that you have all the other teams in the National League East who are sucking really bad right now, which spells doom for five or ten years down the road. Mm-hmm. Because the Marlins have proven that they know how to build a system. I mean I hate Jeffrey Loria as much as anybody. But like, like that guy has, has won, and then he's dismantled, and then he's gone back to winning. Like, yeah. and uh, maybe not Gloria himself, but whoever, whoever you are, whatever. Um, but but the all the the Nats are going to run away with the National League East this year. They'll pick up some pitchers. Their performance in the playoffs could very well determine the fate of Bryce Harper mm-hmm. and. It scares me because this is a, there's a collusion of failure. A collusion, of boy! City. Great, great time to be using that word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's always on the mind when I'm thinking no kidding, about baseball. Right? <laughs> yeah, but like, I just, I don't, I think, I think that Bryce Harper resigns because okay. you do. This, right. He's made his home here, and he's never. He'll be the big thing in, wherever he goes, but that he will remain in dc the biggest thing that ever happened okay all right so i guess that's a good way to end it just with the uh the prediction the the prediction from my friend matt shirley that bryce harper will stay in washington dc and uh be elected president in 2020 and uh eventually mm-hmm. bring us all out of this giant mess this country's in yeah absolutely well i don't <laughs> know if he'll be old enough to vote yet in god yeah that's yeah, right that's what's yeah. he gonna be 35 to run for uh for president in the, in the united states <laughs> yeah he probably, yeah, he probably won't be all right. Well, Matt Shirley, 
that will wrap up the Washington Nationals. You're going to have to come back on with us and I do a, maybe a little closer to football season. I'll have you on again and we'll talk about the uh, the Washington Redskins. Maybe Kirk Cousins will actually be signed by then. Yeah, dude, that's going to be an hour <laughs> funeral dirge. <laughs> I'll I'll just have some Leonard Cohen playing in the background. How about that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nick Drake. Okay. Yeah, man. I'll just have the most oh. depressing song. Maybe the, the Patches cover. I'll put that in the background. Whatever. I'll put I'll put this like exit music for a film or something. Something terrible. Yeah. We'll just go over all the horrible Johnny things Cash that Dan, yeah. yeah. We'll just put I'll do I'll go over all the horrible things that that Daniel Snyder has done. No, you know what we're gonna do? We'll play that music that they were playing in the Titanic when it sank. Uh, we'll play Never oh, yeah, My God yeah. to be yeah. in the background for the for the entire yeah, podcast. Exactly. The- our, our our length of suckdom is the only thing longer than that movie. So, yeah, that works. <laughs> All right, man. Oh, hey, man. it was a, a pleasure talking to you, and I will uh, I will see you soon. Hopefully I'll get down to get down to D.C. and we can take it another Nationals game that the, uh, the, the bullpen will probably blow. Damn it. Sorry, I had to end with that. All right, Shirley, I'll see you later. All right, see you, buddy. Bye. Take care, Mike. See you.